I mean, I mean, throw me the ball. <laughs> Good morning, guys. Welcome to the round table. Glad you're here. For those of you that don't know my name, I'm Joe Barlow. Ran into a guy last weekend. He said, man, I know you. Aren't you that roundtable guy? No, that's the roundtable guy over there. I just do introductions. Couldn't remember my name, but that's okay. We were name tags for a reason. But guys, just glad you're here. Welcome. Artie. Glad you're here. Oh, no, I'm looking at you, Artie. Yeah, glad you're here. Hey, Ricky. Five guys. 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 Five don't necessarily have to be here in the room. You can also do it by Zoom. I assume we have a few guys that are logged in this morning, Jeff. Tom, Tom, and Robert. Tom, Tom Rose is in, I bet, and Robert. Welcome, guys. Glad you're here. Glad you're joining us. Guys, um, there are a lot of resources that Phil has uh, provided for us. Uh, I know we, we mentioned last week about the sign-in sheet, getting your cell phone number on there and, and, a, and an email. Um, Hal was telling uh, Phil this morning that he had not seen uh, Harden Life. It's a little thing on Facebook that Phil and Carla do uh, on Mondays, typically about a 10 minute clip on there, just kind of a, a piece just to uh, kind of kick your week off. Uh, just that's, a, that's another resource that is available that, that Phil has for us. Guys, if you if you're not looking at maybe some to of what bring you a fresh perspective on how to live your best life, but yeah, got it. I thought about calling it the beauties and the beast. The, beauties, the girls didn't think that was fun. <laughs> yes, but boom. boom. <laughs> but guys, Phil Phil has done a, an, an excellent job in trying to provide resources in different ways. I, I, I do firmly believe in, in the comment that Phil has made several times before. Uh, technology is not necessarily your friend, but you have people that have tried to get you plugged in and exposed and resources available to guys through Facebook or through uh, BPO's webpage. If you're here and you, and you miss some of, the, some of the answers to questions on the handout, it's on the BPO webpage. Uh, I just recommend that you take a look into that and familiarize yourself with it. There are resources there. Old series is on there. It's an excellent opportunity to go back if you have something maybe that strikes you about a series that we had before. If you're just uh, traveling and want to listen to a podcast, go back and listen listen to some of the old series. But welcome you to do that. Guys, let me start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you for my brothers, uh, for Phil. Jeff and Jeff and Chris, for the guys that help out serving the coffee, chicken biscuits that we have. What a way to start a morning. Lord, I ask that you bless those. Bless the men here and their families represented. Mm. May we do all things to glorify you. In your name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Morning, gentlemen. 
Looking forward to our time uh, together this morning. I have a song that I want to offer you that uh, my prayer is it'll open our hearts to what God has for us this morning. Uh, it's by Matthew West. Um, and this series is all about um, the restoration and the renovation uh, of our lives. Uh, and that has everything to do with our character. Uh, and character is better demonstrated than argued for. Uh, it, it's kind of hilariously not funny that I would try to tell you how much my character has changed. It would be better that you would just see it demonstrated. Fair enough? I can see the change in Phil. I can see the change in you. See the change in me. Matthew West has wrote a song that um, is about... Uh, that kind of change. I want to read just the first portion to you, and then we'll listen to it and ask God to awaken our hearts. Do Something by Matthew West. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now. I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven, and I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought of disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven and I said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did. I created you. So you hear the voice of God. <clears throat> trouble now I thought how do we ever get so far down and how's it ever gonna turn around so I turned my eyes to heaven I thought God why don't you do something well I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty children sold into slavery the thought disgusted me so I shook my fist at heaven I said God why don't you do something Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I'm excited as we continue in our study of Isaiah and the idea of um, relationship, restoring us and renovating us. And I would just say this as, uh, as we um, kind of come off of that song, to do something apart from relationship um, is to be a slave to behavior. But to do something because of intimate connection to the living God is to live out a transformative life that brings honor to God and healing to you. And that's critical. Don't do something in order to make your acceptable to God. Do something because of your gratefulness to God for what he has done. That's critical, gentlemen. Absolutely critical. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The power of relationship as opposed to the power of behavior. You know, um, I'm not a behavioralist counselor. I believe in the power of attachment. And so when I'm in a, sitting with somebody, I'm, I'm working in my head through where the relational skills and abilities are broken, not trying to teach somebody to be a circus animal. And what I mean by that is you can train somebody to bounce a ball on their nose, jump through a hoop, uh, do a circle and catch a Frisbee. That's a behavioralist. That's a circus animal. I don't want you to be a circus animal. I want you to be so intimately connected to the people that love you and the primary person that loves us, and his name is Jesus, that you are transformed in your character and in your behavior. That's what we're talking about. The power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Isaiah 58, 12 says, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. So restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure attached relationship. That's what salvation really means, guys. Salvation means uh, to be freshly attached to our Creator, to be connected, not to be a circus animal doing good deeds. We want to be doing good deeds but it works only when we are doing that that we uh, want to do and need to do because we have been loved. We have been loved. And it's out of a grateful heart uh, that we give. 
So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth, but biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. Underline it, meditate on it, journal it. We are changed more by whom we love and how we're loved than just being a circus animal by doing things. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. Again, this relationship. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. <clears throat> restored and renovated because of an intimate connection to the living God. Amazing. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. <clears throat> and Steve, I'm going to get back to you on your text this week. I just remembered I never responded to your text. And we're going to dig into this idea of joy in the coming weeks deeper. I, I appreciated your comment. I'm just bad. I'm bad. I'm bad about reading stuff. And then, and then say, like, you know, I'll get back to that. And then I forget it. Anybody else have that trouble? You know, no. Okay, good. Well, you know, I, I'm unique in that way. So pick up your pen guys and let's go to work. Um, this is a working session this morning. So, <clears throat> Question number one, what good will you bring to the life of those you come in contact with today? What good will you bring? Guys, I'm, I'm asking you in that question to assess your energy. Um, when you walk into your home tonight, will that be a positive experience of your family? Or will everybody be saying, oh no, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. That there is an energy that you carry. Is it, is it an energy of life and welcome and participation and care? Or is it an energy of victim? Poor me. Can't take care of me. And now your wife's got another kid in the room to take care of. No, dude, you cannot afford to expend all your energy in the workplace and pull in your driveway worn flat out. That's just not the way it works. Yeah, you're tired, but you better bring some game into that house. You're the leader of the house. What good will you bring? What good will you bring into the workplace? Um, scripture says that you and I, uh, that proclaim to be Jesus followers, uh, we carry an aroma about us and the aroma is Jesus to those who are not believers. It's a stench. They can actually be offended by your presence. And again, we don't want them to be offended because you are a jerk. Yeah, that's that's not that's not what Scripture's talking about. Scripture's talking about that you can actually be offensive because you're a Jesus follower. And to them who are dying, 
it's a stench. But to those who are part of the kingdom of God, it's sweet aroma. I want to be a sweet aroma of Jesus. I want to bring good into every environment that I'm in as a reflection of Jesus and my intimate connection to him. That's how it works. Write it down. What good do you want to bring today? Who are you going to reach out to? Take take just a minute. Who do you want to bring good to today? Who can you send a text to? Who can you call? Who can you just walk up to and say, you know, dude, I, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm praying for you. I'm praying with you. You know, many of you have been following our good brother, George, uh, over the last, uh, well, he spent 18 days in the hospital. Walter knows what that feels like. And uh, so glad he got out of the hospital on Monday. Thank you, Jesus. 18 days. And he was, he was in bad shape those first three days. George has brought a lot of good uh, to many of us in this room. And um, we prayed him through 18 days. Thank you, God. What good will you bring? Second question I'd ask you, where do you need more self-control? Where do you need more self-control? And I would suggest to you by that question, what I'm talking about is where do you bring chaos um, into the in, into the room? Um, you got to stop that. Um, order is God's way. Galatians chapter six verses one through five would be a great passage just to journal. Just just kind of write it out in your own words. <clears throat> but Galatians chapter six just says, you know, if any man is caught in a trespass or caught in sin, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, caught in chaos would be the newspaper English way that I would say that if anybody's caught in chaos, you who are more spiritual or uh, you who are not in chaos, put it simply, you who are not in your crazy brain, uh, restore such a one, restore order, in other words, stop the chaos, restore the order, but do it how? How does it say to do that? in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of gentleness, not yelling, screaming, arguing, angry. No, it is the kindness of God, Romans 2, 4, that leads us to repentance. You want change in your life, in your home, in your workplace? Be more kind, be gentle. Because when you're yelling, screaming, angrying, 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 you're just creating chaos. You know, you want to see the bottom of the pond? Don't throw a rock in there. It's like some of your homes are like throwing a rock in a pond and then you're mad because you can't see nothing but mud. Well, don't throw a rock in there. So I need to be self-controlled. And what everybody else does is on them. But self-control of my feelings, my desires, and my will, 
Um, what we say in our counseling practice consistently, and it just has great thera therapeutic and even biblical precedence, is all blame and criticism must stop. Just stop. I'm not saying just, you know, just, you know, let anybody do what they want and just stop talking. No. But you've got to stop the blame and the criticism. That is the adult cry of a child. Children throw temper tantrums. Adults blame and criticize. And we feel like a man. You're just a child. Blame and criticism don't work. Self-control. Third and final question. How will being Christ-like become a reality to you? We talked about that last week. Um, being Christ-like. How will being Christ-like become a reality to you? Now think about that for a minute. Write something down. What comes to your mind? How will being Christ-like become a reality to you? How are you going to be more Christ-like? <clears throat> now, guys, this is critical right here in my mind. You're not going to become Christ-like by doing good things. That ain't happening. That's called, in my mind, a circus animal. You want to be a circus animal? You want to be a behavioral Christian and I just behave? That's what the Pharisees did, and God called them whitewashed tombs. You guys are really cool on the outside, but you're rotten on the inside. The answer to that, how will you be more Christ-like? I would say by looking into the eyes of Jesus. It's more of a connection than a behavior. And a lot of times I see Jesus when I'm sitting with my brother Jeff Rickles, when I'm sitting with my brother Ralph or Scott, I look across the table and I see um, the love of Jesus from my brother. It's incarnational gospel. That's what the Bible teaches. It's much more of one anotherness, care for one another, than it is being a circus animal. And the way you're going to become Christ-like is not doing more, but being more in love with Jesus and receiving his love. And then when you get your love tank filled up, full of love of Jesus, it's like, man, let's go do something. Let's go do, that's the way it works. That's, that's the way childhood development works. I mean, you don't teach a baby to behave. You know how you teach a, ba a, a, a get a baby to behave? You fill, his t you fill his tummy full of love. That's what mama does. She loves on him, loves on him. And, you know, he has this reservoir, this, this love tank. And the first time he crawls away from mama, he looks around and mama ain't there. And the baby goes, ah! I'm dying. And he's literally experiencing death in his soul. And then mama comes and loves on him, pulls him back into the love nest, to the container is what we call it, loves on him. And then after a while, he crawls in uh, to the other room. He looks up and he doesn't see mama. 
but his love tank is full, but he remembers mama. He remembers. He remembers the eyes of mama, the touch of mama, the comfort of mama. And he becomes more settled because he can self-regulate. Have you ever met a 40-year-old man that can't self-regulate? That's, that's like a two-year-old uh, not experiencing mama, you know? But it's like to be Christ-like is to have spent lots of good hours looking into the eyes of Jesus. That's how you become Christ-like. So turn over to Isaiah 58 and let's dive in. <clears throat> Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, again, um, is all about salvation. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. And as I save you, you will be restored. Um, now, this this whole study in a, in Isaiah, just to give you just a just a little bit of background, what what makes the study of Isaiah really fun is that it's it, it's not a sequential book, and that's what can make it um, confusing and challenging. Is it's more a, a whole collection of sermons by Isaiah, and so it doesn't follow uh, from you know. Uh, chapter 1 verse 1 to the last verse of chapter 66 it is it is a collection of Isaiah's sermons to a people that are uh, trying to um, get their intimate relationship with God back or at least God's trying to get them back to him after the Assyrians and Babylonians have taken them over now let me show you this map here just real quick <clears throat> I think I finally sent Jeff the right map, and it shows um, it shows um, this uh, area of Assyria and, and Babylon. Of course, you've got um, Israel, the northern kingdom. You've got Judah, uh, the southern kingdom. And what's happening in the book is the Assyrians <clears throat> and the Babylonians are coming. And they're going to take over and defeat Israel. And God keeps warning them in Judah, the southern kingdom, that this is going to happen. Now, you tell me, you geography um, uh, students, where would this be today? Where would Assyria and Babylon, Babylon be today? Yeah, that's Iraq, uh, southern Turkey, northern uh, Syria. And it's like, has anything changed? Isn't that wild? You know, we talk about Assyrians and Babylonians. Well, you know, those guys are dead and gone. You know, there's no, no Assyrians and no, no Babylonians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They just changed the name uh, to protect the guilty. You know, it's like the Iranians, the Iraq, uh, southern Turkey. Uh, read the news. Same doggone things happening, you know. And they want to wipe out Israel. They want to wipe out Israel. And, and, and so many of the Jews were making alliances with the gods of Assyria and Babylon. And God kept saying, guys, where's the intimate connection to me? I want intimacy. So look at Isaiah 48. 
again, we can look at so many portions of Isaiah's sermons, but it's like Isaiah, uh, the masterpiece of the Old Testament, gives us this beautiful passage in Isaiah 48, where once again, God invites the Israelites to start with him. All of life starts with him. Not behavior, not doing good things, but falling in love with the master. Isaiah 48. And now listen to this, family of Jacob, you who are called by the name Israel, you got who got you started in the loins of Judah? Who you who, uh, you who use God's name to back up your promises and pray to the God of Israel? But do you mean it? It's like you know you you guys call yourself God followers? Really, really, are you? You claim to be a citizen of the holy city. You act as though you lean on the God of Israel, named God of the angel armies. For a long time now, I've let you in on the way I work. I told you what I was doing, or going to do beforehand. Then I did it, and it was done, and that's that. I know you're a bunch of hardheads, obstinate and flint-faced. So I got a running start and began telling you what was going on before it even happened. That is why you can't say, my God idol did this, my favorite God carving commanded this. God's making fun of their idol gods, of their fruitful pursuits of foreign gods that they brought in from Assyria and Babylon. You have all this evidence confirmed by your own eyes and ears. Shouldn't you be talking about it? And that was just the beginning. I have a lot more to tell you. Things you never knew existed. This isn't a variation on the same old thing. This is a new, brand new something you'd never guess or dream. I, I love that idea. It, it's like he's saying, you know, remember what grandma said, save your fort, the best is yet to come, right? It's like, no, dude, I'm gonna do something really cool, God's saying, really cool. When you hear this, you won't be able to say, I knew this all along. You've never been good listeners to me. You have a history of ignoring me. And then listen to this. A sorry track record of fickle attachments. You are connected to the wrong thing. Rebels from the womb. It's your attachment issue that's killing you. It's not your behavior per se. It's just that your behavior reveals what your heart's committed to. That's what he's saying. It's about connection, attachment. But out of the sheer goodness of my heart, because of who I am, I keep a tight rein on my anger and hold my temper. I don't wash my hands of you, although I thought about it is the implication. Do you see what I've done? I've refined you, but not without fire. I've tested you like silver in the furnace of affliction. Guys, many of you are going through the hardest time of your life in this room right now. I know that. I sit with many of you. And it's like, dude, I, I hurt with you. But I don't feel sorry for you. I, I've never sat with somebody and I felt sorry for them. 
And the reason I don't feel sorry for you or I expect you to feel sorry for me is because I believe that God has put every circumstance in every relationship that challenges you in your life to refine you and to bring honor to his name and healing to your heart. I believe that. And it's kind of like an adventure. It's an adventure. And that's what the Christian life is intended to be. An adventure of relationship, not just a bunch of people who try to do good things, but they do good things out of an intimate relationship with the living God. That's what it's about. Do you see what I've done? I've refined you, but not without fire. I've tested you like silver in the furnace of affliction. Out of myself, simply because of who I am, I do what I do. I have my reputation to keep up. I'm not playing second fiddle to either gods or people. And guys, that's the part you need to really underline. I'm not playing second fiddle. God is a jealous God. And he fully intends that that's the starting point. You don't start by running out and doing something good. You start by bowing your knee and looking Jesus in the eyes and falling in love with him. That we lift up his name and we know he's connected to the broken to the broken, to the broken, to the poor, to the widow, to the stranger, to the foreigner. He's connected to the broken and he is our only hope, the only savior. That's the message that Isaiah keeps teaching. Messiah is coming. There is one who is coming. And we need to rest in those promises. And when we begin to do that, guys, then there's restoration in our lives. A whole new life is given. We're restored. We're restored. So look at this idea. The message of Isaiah, one of a, a renewed, intimate relationship with God, will bring restoration to us. And from that relationship, will come good not good deeds making us whole but an intimate relationship producing good deeds that's very critical <coughs> excuse me look over at philippians chapter 4 philippians chapter 4 the whole book uh, is about joy. And the Apostle Paul says this, living for what is good. He says this, summing it all uh, in verse eight, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to cure. Now, guys, again, in a counseling session, what I would be saying that would, you know, be this idea, but not 
just reading a Bible verse in a counseling session is I would be saying to a client, you guys have got to stop the chaos. You guys have got to stop the blame and the criticism. This is ugly. In fact, I'm not going to let you do that in here anymore. You, you guys can do that at home. You know, I don't allow that kind of talk in here because it's not productive. It's crazy. And all I'm doing in one sense is teaching Philippians chapter four, verse eight. We got we to gotta turn the energy towards something productive. And then this is what it looks like. Continuing, put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Wow. Start falling in love with Jesus. Start looking into the eyes of Jesus. Be connected to an intimate relationship and it will change your behavior as opposed to trying to change your heart by your behavior. It don't work. It don't work. Now, I want to show you... Um, a clip of a man whose heart was deeply connected to relationship. Famous man in history. January 27th today is um, National Remembrance Day of Holocaust, the Holocaust. Um, and I wanna show you a clip uh, from Schindler's List movie, Arthur uh, Schindler, great guy that uh, saved many, many Jews because he had a heart of compassion. He loved people. He wasn't trying to do good things to be approved. He was loving those that God had put before him and his heart of compassion moved him to bravery. Watch this. No audio. Every worker has signed it.
Hebrew from the Talmud. It says whoever saves one life saves the world entire. One more person, one more person. What's really valuable? What does your life really stand for? 
the love, the care, the gentleness, the kindness, the empathy that you have shown to those that you love and those that you don't even know that God loves. Because if we're going to live out this restored life that God's given us, once again, to be restored and to be changed is to be in self-control. All through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is telling his people, you guys are selfish. Your religion is one of rote. Uh, you're going through the motions. There's no relational connection. And it's like we have got to be emotionally mature, self-controlled, bringing order and a sense of value to human life. You curse and criticize and anger your way through relationships. Mm -mm. And you call yourself God followers. That's all through the book of Isaiah. In order to accomplish this kind of lifestyle that God calls us to, it is an issue of power. <clears throat> Where does the power come from? And what Scripture talks about is this contrast between the power of our flesh or the power of the Spirit. And we are being invited in to live by the Spirit, a power that lives inside of us and is greater than us, than we are to live by our own flesh. Because our own flesh uh, is one of feelings and desires and will that's being controlled by our own selfishness. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll finish with this. Galatians chapter 5, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage there, verses 19 through 26, but I would invite you to, to sit down this weekend and read through that passage. But just jump down with me to verse 22. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. The energy that you carry is discerned and picked up by others. People feel you walk into a room. That negative energy is like toxic mold in a house. It'll kill you. And yet, when we are led by the Spirit, we are transformed by an intimate relationship with the Messiah that God keeps promising through the book of Isaiah. We are transformed. We are not transformed by what we believe 
in the, in the sense of just knowledge, or we're not transformed by what we do, we are transformed by an intimate encounter with the living God that changes hearts and behavior. The power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Chew on that. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, so much for the beauty of your word, for the beauty of your eyes, uh, for the beauty of your touch that we experience through one another, reading your word. It's living and active, and it cuts out the harmful things uh, of our flesh and renews us and creates something fresh, even for others to grasp. Thank you for our time this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you.